The Gospel Shaped Home Podcast is a family discipleship resource from Providence Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina that aims to equip you and your family to be on mission with God to the end of the street and the ends of the earth. Welcome back to another episode of Gospel Shaped Home. I'm Andy Owens, pastor of Family Discipleship here at Providence. And today it's my joy to introduce you to a special guest, uh, David Michael. Uh, He's the founder, executive director of Truth78. Uh, David, welcome to the podcast. It is my pleasure to be here, Andy. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, it's, it's yeah, I'm really glad you're here, brother. Uh, could you give us a quick introduction to yourself? Tell our listeners who you are. Tell us about your family. Tell us what you do. Yeah, help, help our listeners get to know you just for a second. Well, I am David Michael, and I am privileged to be the father of two daughters, two adult daughters now, 39 and 36, and um, I can hardly believe that that has come up on me so quickly. I'm also a grandfather, the children, to one of those daughters, my oldest, Amy, three, three grandchildren. What got all of this started under the providence of God was bringing my wife now of 44 years, Sally, into my life. And uh, together we've had the joy of following Christ, uh, serving the church as a pastor in two different churches, uh, Bethlehem Baptist Church up in Minnesota, where we served for 33 years and then seven years here in central Indiana at uh, College Park Church and have been devoting ourselves for a good share of those years to the equipping of the church and the home for the comprehensive discipleship of the next generation, which I'm doing now full-time. I resigned from my position at College Park in order to assume full-time responsibility for True 78, which is a organization that we founded uh, several years ago now and originally as Children Desiring God, and then a few years ago renamed it to Truth 78, which is committed to this comprehensive discipleship of the next generation. Okay, great. Well, again, welcome. Glad you're here, brother. Today, we're going to talk about praying for the next generation. So, David, you and your wife, Sally, have both written a little booklet published by True 78 about praying for the next generation. Big, bold, biblical prayers for the next generation is the title of yours. And then uh, the other one, Sally wrote, is just praying for the next generation. So uh, when we talk about praying for our kids in the next generation, first off, who are we assuming is praying for the next generation? Uh, who, who's the audience when you write a book like this? Yeah, I would say anybody who cares about the faith of a child or the children in their life or children in their church. So it would, I've really challenged our churches, whether they have children or not, that we we all share this responsibility for the discipleship of the next generation. And so I think the whole church should be committed to praying for the next generation. And then certainly parents and grandparents aunts and uncles. I mean, if you've got children in your life that you care about and care 
for their faith, then by all means, we should be praying for them. Yeah, that was a little bit of a softball pitch because I, uh, <laughs> I just want our listeners to hear it's not just parents and grandparents and kids ministry leaders who pray for the next generation. Exactly. Anyone in the church who cares about the health of the church and the ongoing ministry, gospel ministry of the church from generation to generation should care about the faith of the next generation. So this really concerns all of us. Amen. Well said. So, uh, but let's, I want to throw out the question, why knowing this, this also may be just utterly obvious and unnecessary, but why is praying for the next generation so important? Why is this such a big deal? Why would we devote, you know, uh, one episode of our podcast to just saying, hey, pray for the next generation? I don't know if it's all that obvious, at least to the number of people that interact. A lot of people feel, well, of course, we're Christians and God commands us to pray. And so certainly we should be praying and we should pray for our children. But what I often will hear others pray with regard to their children suggests that maybe we don't understand the reason as much as perhaps we think we do. And part of the reason I wrote Big Bold Biblical Prayers for the Next Generation is because I've experienced in my interactions as a pastor, the tendency is to pray small, weak, unbiblical prayers for our children. And so the reason this is so important is because what any Christian parent desires most for their child, they cannot give them. I mean, there's no way that we can make a child be born again. And yet, what Christian parent doesn't want their child to be born again? There's no way we can give a child life in Christ, new life in Christ. Um, There's nothing more important than new life in Christ. That's right, right. We can point them to the truth We can teach them the truth. We can make sure that they understand the gospel, but we can't make them treasure Jesus. We can't make them trust God. We can't make them delight to do his will. And so the greatest, (laughs) our greatest joy, John says, is to see our children walking in the truth. And we can't make that happen. And so that's, that to me is why I feel the urgency to pray. I mean, we're, we're committed at True 78 to giving parents and churches good tools to use, but as good as those tools are, they're worthless unless the Spirit of God works on the heart of our kids. And then beyond the spiritual dimensions, just reality as parents, we, we soon discover that we can perhaps control the behavior of a child, but we can't give them the desires that shape those behaviors. So you can, you can make a child eat. You can force them to eat, but you can't make them love what they eat. <laughs> you can, we can force a child to obey, to clean up their room, to do whatever, but we can't make them love cleaning up their room. <laughs> we can't make them delight to please their parents. All of those, what's really going to influence the behavior of your children, we can't make that happen which is why prayer becomes so central and so crucial and needs to be such a priority for parents. Everlasting joy to be had, but only God can give it. Right? I, I want my kids exactly. to be maximally happy forever in God, and I cannot bring that about 
but God can. Exactly. Okay, so you've already kind of hit on this. I, I remember one time, this was several years ago, I was talking to a brother, and he's, you know, he's a solid disciple of Jesus. He's not at our church anymore, but we were talking about praying for our kids, and he made a comment of, you know, I, I don't really know what, what to pray. Like, I, you know, he actually has, he has a child with some health issues, and so I can pray for her health physically, but, like, I, I don't know what else to pray. I pray she have a good day. And I was just really shocked because— I thought, surely this brother knows how to pray biblical prayers for his child. So what should we pray for the next generation? What thoughts should give shape to the content of our prayers for the next generation, David? Well, the reason I'm appealing for people to pray biblical prayers is because I think the Bible should shape our prayers. And when I mentioned in the book the example of the parent who prays that their child will do well on their math test. Well, the problem with, I mean, that's, that's an okay prayer to prayer. There's nothing wrong with praying that prayer for our child. The problem is there's nothing in the Bible that will give me confidence that if I pray this prayer that my child will do well on the math test, that they will necessarily do well on their math test because God is sovereign. There's purposes behind everything that he brings into our lives. And one of those purposes might be that this child fail miserably in their math tests to kill pride or to teach them more dependence on the Lord. So when I pray, God grant that my child do well on the math test, I can't pray with the same confidence as I can When I pray, God, would you grant that my son, my daughter, would walk in the truth? Would you grant, Lord Jesus, that their faith would not fail? Would you grant that they be born again to a living hope? I mean, I can go to the Bible and know that I am praying God's will when I pray biblical truth for them. Right now, our youngest daughter, 30 uh, 37, is living with us, uh, not by her choice or ours, except the sovereignty of God. A few years ago, started having some physical issues, she trained as a midwife. She's, as long as we've, she's, from the time childhood, she's wanted to be a mom. She's wanted to have a husband. That's never worked out for her. She got into midwifery. That was a profession she loved. And then all of that kind of came to an end when she experienced some pretty serious physical situations, situation that has brought her back to live with us. And her life is just not working out the way she, she had hoped that we had hoped for her. Every single day, I pray that Christie's body would be healed. And yet, I can't pray that prayer with the same level of confidence that I could pray and that I do pray also every single day, Lord, grant that Christie's faith not fail. Or I've just, just this week prayed for her out of John 15, Lord, would you grant my daughter to abide in the vine? would abide in Christ. Would you grant, Lord Jesus, that you would abide in her and so abide in her that she bears much fruit? And if it's through suffering that she bears fruit, praise God. But my confidence rises, number one, because 
I'm absolutely certain when I asked God that he would abide in her through Christ and that she would abide in Christ and that she bear more fruit, I know I'm praying the will of God in that moment. More mm. With much more confidence than I can pray, God, would you healing. grant healing to my daughter? Yeah. Every, every single morning she wakes up in the last two years, healing of her body has not happened. In fact, if anything, it's gotten worse. And every single morning she wakes up a believer. And that to me is a miracle. Yeah. And so prayer is, praying the Bible is absolutely critical, I think. And we should keep focusing our prayers in that direction. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for just sharing something that's obviously very personal and um, and real right now in your, your own life. Um, you know, when I, I've actually, uh, as, as it relates to praying for things that aren't clearly revealed in the Bible as God's will, I think, uh, thought about how to ask for things like success on a math test or, you know, healing, you know, things of some maybe, you know, minimal significance, some things of a lot of very significant, important, meaningful things that still aren't clearly what God has revealed in the scriptures. And I think there's a an element of the two things that have got in my thought. One is I want to pray first and mostly things that I know are in alignment with God's will. I want to pray biblical prayers. I want to pray God's words back to him. I remember a Spurgeon quote in a, a sermon Put God's promises into circulation. Tell them back to him. God, you've said right. you want to do this and plead with him to do it. And then for those things that aren't in his will, I've, I've sought to ask for it and to almost always acknowledge, but God, I know that you know best. Not my will, but your will be done. Obviously, for some things like a math test, it's easier to res be resigned, joyfully resigned to his will than for things like the healing of a, a sick child. So, but, but I, um, I, I really appreciate your, um, again, your, that encouragement to letting the Bible shape our prayers. Is there any other just encouragement you would give to parents in our church or anyone else who's listening for praying for the next generation? What, what thoughts, kind of a closing thought should guide our praying? Maybe just to pick up a little bit more, don't, don't under, don't hear from this emphasis on praying biblical prayers, that um, praying those little prayers, there's nothing wrong with that. And you should. I mean, he's our father. We should ask him for things. I should ask him for healing. I should ask for success on the math test. The, the issue is we sometimes focus on those prayers to the neglect of the bigger yes. prayers. Yes. And so, and what encourages me is to pray the big prayers because I see answers to those Again Amen. and again, because those, I can, and so that's the spirit there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you actually address the, that in the book when you're talking about kingdom-sized things and prioritizing towards the greater. And right. you actually reference Matthew 6, not seeking what we'll eat and drink, but seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and recognizing that God is going to give these lesser things. Like we can trust him for these things and he wants us to long for, yearn for the greater things for ourselves and for the next generation. I thought that was a, obviously you're looking back at the Lord's prayer in Matthew six as well. I thought that was just a helpful way to balance the asking for the small, but asking mostly and first for the big. 
there's a lot I have to say. I'll I'll refer you to the things I've written, but just a couple things. One, um, for to make prayer a priority, it requires like everything else in life, it requires planning. And I would just encourage parents to pick a day, pick a time in a in a day a week, and just say. I'm going to at least once a week devote myself to praying a big, bold biblical prayer for my child. Maybe husband and wife come together, perhaps, and do that, or grandma and grandpa or whatever. And I would encourage you to write it out. One of the problems is I have a hard time just keeping in my head sometimes, or even thinking on the spot in the moment, having taking some time to open your Bible, read a passage like John 15, and just say, okay, and and write out, Lord, this is what, I'm taking your word right now, and this is what I desire for a child. So don't be afraid to write out and be thoughtful in developing a prayer. It's kind of, think of yourself almost like a lawyer standing before the judge of all the earth, a very benevolent judge who's for you, not against you, but just lay out your case to him. Kind of once a week, just take some time, maybe take an hour to really craft a thoughtful, biblical, big prayer for your children. What's What does your heart desire? So, so regularity and then that once a week thing should should be surrounded by once a day bowing before God asking him for favor on you as a parent and grace to deal with all the individual things that your children are dealing with but that would be perhaps one thing I could commend to you yeah yeah and then probably a hundred times a day in the moment God help me right now exactly exactly yeah to have wisdom Okay, well, brother, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you're willing, I'd love to ask you to even pray for the next generation here at Providence uh, as we wrap this up. Well, it'd be my pleasure. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for all that you've accomplished to make these parents parents. You've given them children. You've entrusted to them the responsibility for the raising of a child or more, to fear you, to delight in you, to walk in faith. And as we've said here, Lord, we can't make that happen. So it's, it's fitting here at the end that we just pray and ask that every child represented by the parents who are listening to this prayer would walk in the truth, that not one would be lost. That is our heart's desire. More than wealth or fame for these children, more than a good education or a good job and or a nice home or healthy bodies, more than a good spouse someday, more than a long and fruitful life. We pray that every one of the hearts of every one of these children would be born again. We pray that they would be called according to your purpose. We pray that you would open their eyes to see their need and then give them the will and the power to call upon the name of the Lord as their God. Lord, I pray that as you accomplish that, you would do that through the faithful prayers of these parents. 
and grandparents and through the prayers of a faithful church that has surrounded them and cares about the outcome of the faith of their children. So, Lord, we looked and pray that even now you would exceed our prayers for our children beyond what we can ask or imagine. And we ask it in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, David, thank you again, brother, for being here. So glad to have you on the podcast. It is my joy. Thank you for having me. And to you, our listeners, thank you for joining. I hope that you've been encouraged by this episode and spurred on to pray big, bold, biblical prayers for the next generation that they would have eyes to see the greatness of God that savor him above all things. So thank you for joining and look forward to catching you on the next episode. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Shaped Home Podcast produced by Providence Baptist Church of Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and resources from Providence, visit us online at pray.org. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts.